you are invited to the Quantum Leap Let Light Unite show every Friday night on United Public Radio Network from 9 to 10 p.m. Pacific Time, 12 to 1 a.m. Eastern Time with your spiritual warrior goddess, Kathy Bilski. Kathy will share all the old truths the Illuminati tries to keep secret. Kathy also gives you the opportunity to join in with planetary healing light work that will help us manifest World Enlightenment 2016. So let's get high and fly into new possibilities. So join Kathy every Friday night on UPRN, the Quantum Leap Let Light Unite show. A very powerful happening. to UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Hi, I'm Stephanie Benetti, and you're listening to United Public Radio, UPRN 107.7 FM in New Orleans. Hi, come check out Christina George's new show, Alien, UFOs, and Beyond, Thursday night, 8 p.m. See you Thursday, Jeff. You're listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Joe Montaldo, and you're listening to United Public Radio. Come check out Christina George's new show, Paranormal Connections, only on United Public Radio, Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. See you Monday. Hello, you're listening to United Public Radio. I'm Joe Montaldo, host of News on the Flipside. Check us out every Saturday night, 6 to 9. Do you love sports? Okay, maybe just at least pay attention to sports. Then check out the Big Shoulder Sports Show, Tuesday night, 7 to 9 Eastern on UPRNTalkRadio.com and 107.7 FM out of New... Hello, you're listening to United Public Radio. I'm Joe Montaldo, host of News on the Flipside. Check us out every Saturday night, 6 to 9 p.m. Central Time. The UPRN family of shows would like to take a moment to thank our loyal listeners for tuning in to UPRNTalkRadio.com along with 107.7 FM New Orleans. Broadcasting on multiple platforms like Live 365, Ustream, and Shoutcast has made the UPRN the longest-running, highly-rated, and best source of quality, unique programming that is not afraid of the status quo in alternative media. This station has a solid course of shows and hosts that refuse to get stuck in a rut or be overrun by a groupthink mentality because station owner, host, and iCar founder Joe Montaldo knows the value of letting his talented stable of hosts grow uninhibited. In this genre, that's an accomplishment which many in alternative radio are striving for but are left consistently wanting. This is all made possible because of you, the listener, that tunes in live every night who can tell the difference that independent thinking makes. The best way to show our appreciation is to thank you and continue to allow our listeners the ability to download the archives of all the shows free of charge on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. No monthly fees, no cost to download individual shows, and none of the constant hassling for donations. That's the UPRNRadio.com difference. So stick around. There's much more to come with new shows on the way. For now, feel free to join your favorite show live in the Pal Talk chat room. Easily accessible off UPRNTalkRadio.com. And share the experience of listening live with other listeners from around the world. So thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the UPRNTalkRadio.com family of listeners. You want to learn about aliens, 
extraterrestrials, UFOs, visitations, military abductions. Join Joe Matalda on Wednesday night, 8 to 10 p.m. for his episodes of UFO Undercover. I had had enough. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general out oh, in the yeah, middle of nowhere? Oh, that's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off. When I was having this fit, I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo.
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of You Are From The Cover. I hope everyone's having a great morning, great afternoon, great evening, wherever you are on our big, beautiful blue planet. I say this every Wednesday. There's no else, nowhere else I'd rather be than here with y'all. Uh, sorry for that delay there. Um, just had a little glitch going on. Uh, the gremlins are on at least. Actually, what it is is we've been having a lot, a lot of rain here uh, lately, a lot of rain here. And uh, it's just at that point where mm, it's... Uh, can be interfering sometimes. But anyway, tonight's show uh, is going to be about the Greys. Um, there's a lot of questions I have, have asked about the Greys over the years, and I'm, we're going to discuss those tonight. And really, some of these questions are, what are they doing here? Why are they here? What are some of the things they do? But why did they come after the humans and the reptilians? And why do they seem to dominate now versus... Um, the other greys, I mean the other aliens. So we're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. We're going to talk a little bit here about sighting information and correlations of cameras and things like that. And we're also going to talk uh, a little bit about the proper way of doing that. So before we get into the actual physical topic of the greys tonight, the show topic of the greys tonight, let's talk a little bit about taking pictures. Okay. Um, you know, the digital age is great. It's a fabulous thing to have a digital camera. It's a fabulous thing to have, a, you know, like my phone's got a 16 megapixel camera, and it's great. I can zoom in, zoom out, does great things. But if you're going to be doing this, especially for the UFO hunter type people, okay, do me a favor. Go to your local Walmart, Kmart, Target, Costco's, wherever you like to shop, and buy a little 35mm starboard camera. You know, the ones that are sealed, the paper wrap and on, they're sealed cameras. So that way, when you're taking pictures with your phone or your digital camera, you can take some of the 35mm. One, it's going to give you credibility about your photos because it's really, you know, you've got a sealed camera. So they can't say anything's been hoaxed or faked in the film. And the reason why is digital's just too easy. I mean, come on, guys. I can go outside, take a picture to buy you, bring it inside, put it on my computer, load a UFO on it, load it back on my phone, go, look, and there I go. And as long as it's done right, you'll never know the difference. And you can, I'll give it to somebody, I'll upload it off my phone, and like, wow, look at this badass picture. But it's obviously a hoax. And the reason we stay on it is because we we get a lot, a lot, a lot of good pictures, and obviously a lot of them are hoaxes. I gotta say that one of my all-time favorite pictures comes out of Brazil, from one of our directors down there, and they were out driving on an old lonely desert road, uh, a couple people, and one of them got a picture, what appeared to be, a craft landing or hovering over the desert. At first, when you first glance it, you look at it and it looks like maybe some kind of massive storm sweeping down the mountains. But when you zoom in on it, you can actually see the rim and edge of the grounded craft going around. It kind of reminds me of uh, Independence Day when they come rolling out the clouds. It's a very interesting thing in itself. Um, it's a very cool picture, to say the least. But it's one picture, and it doesn't really... Um, help other than the fact that it's a badass picture. I mean, really, it, it, you're like, wow. Um, but it's just it's just one of many pictures. But anyway, getting back to what we're talking about, um, just think about it when you and and when you're taking pictures and take videos too. Okay, get stuff in. If you're taking a picture of the sky, try to caption like where the 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 sky meets the ground or, or where it breaks. Um, get poles in there, buildings in there, anything you can do to to give us the ability to judge size and distance. Because uh, once we know the distance of something, it's a lot easier to know the size of something. Uh, also, you know, be aware of the cloud decks and things like that, information that you can pass on. You know, if you're out filming and you know the cloud deck happens to be 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 feet, you may have heard it on your local weather channel. Um, these are things that are important to know. You know, we have Airport Monitor 2 on our, on our well, they're now on our pads. And uh, even though they closed one in New Orleans, I guess I talked about it too much. Uh, they closed Airport Monitor 2 in New Orleans, but there's other things you can get to monitor air traffic. I also have a, a program on there. They used to have J-Track. It's a little different now. To track, to live time track all satellites orbiting at any given time. So, in other words, let's say I'm out, I'm out near a Florida and say I'm out near Tampa, Florida and we see something in the sky. I can instantly go on my computer, bring up Airport Monitor 2, and look and say, okay, there was no air traffic because it shows you lifetime air traffic. And you can even go back up to one year. You can track back on these things. Uh, so you can see what was flying at any given time. So you look, okay, there's nothing from the airports flying here. There's no aircraft. And it identifies the aircraft, by the way, including military aircraft. 
so there's nothing flying here. So you go over to the satellite thing, and there's no satellites overhead or even been overhead. So now you can now rule out military, commercial aircraft, and satellites. So now it just leads some kind of weird natural phenomena or something else. But it makes this much more refined research than we had to do back in the day when we are going, was it Venus or was it Mars? And you can also rule those out. Um, most of these apps you can put in your phone now. You can see right where Venus is. Matter of fact, there's one I like to use. It's, uh, it's a star map for the night sky, for any sky. Actually, you just hold it up to the sky, and wherever you hold it up, it tells you right there. So let's say somebody's seen this at such and such, and you just go outside and hold it there and see if Venus was there. Um, you're like, oh, well, no, Venus wasn't present, and there was no air traffic, and there was no satellite, so what the hell was it? See, that gives much more credibility to what you're talking about here. And when you're going to present this to anybody, especially a layman, it's harder to argue with when you ruled out all these other things. Um, so uh, I'm just trying to help everybody along. And whether you're submitting it to us, move on, Davenport, it doesn't matter. Um, be sure to submit it and try to get as much detail and information as you can. And I hope everybody gets something out of that, You know, especially for the new people that are listening. I know some of you old people go, that dang job, I've heard this a million times. Uh, it's, I, I know it's repetitive, but I like to get it in people's head. There's a proper way of doing things. Um, and those kind of videos will get picked up by TV shows. I've had several of mine on TV shows. Um, you, you'll only ever hear them say, I, Car. Every now and then they mention my name, but for the most part they say, I, Car. But still, they're there, and it's because they're done correctly. Ben, you want me to hook you up with a with a with a contacty uh, abductee woman so you can see a UFO? Is that what you're saying, man? I'm <laughs> sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I was reading something in the chat room distracted me for a minute. <laughs> um, just saying. Oh, I misunderstood. Are you sure? Well, you can date. You can you can, you can date. Um, you know, when we'll get that in a minute too. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but. Um, Anytime, like, a gray contactee is dating, like, a reptilian one or a human one, there will be some consequences. Well, maybe consequences is a strong word, but a uh, strong saying. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Let me get back to what we're talking about. And remember, just always submit your, sighting, your UFO sightings to everybody. Davenport probably has the biggest database now. There's a lot of other groups out there that track UFOs, but... There's a good group out of BC and Canada that tracks as well. They do a good job. Larry Hatch, who used to be my favorite with you database, I guess he retired, so you won't be able to track him through there. But still, there are a lot of good places out there to track and and a, and a lot of good stuff. And, you know, I had a good friend of mine, Dee Andrew, who passed away just recently. And um, she's one of the reasons I'm as hard as I am on sightings. When, when we formed ICAR almost 20 years ago, uh, we decided that we wanted to at least have some standard of evidence when dealing with abductions and contacts and, and sightings. And, uh, you know, it was a long time her and I had many, many, many discussions, many, many heated discussions about what's presentable evidence, what's not, how things should be done, how things are not. The, her Ida Sky Show is still playing our network, and there's a lot of good material in there um, if you're looking for stuff on how to do this correctly. It's it's one of those things though that you just got to catch when they're on there. When they're not on the archives right now. They'll be on the other archives set uh, later this year, but they're not on the primary one now. But you can listen for them. They're great shows. But because of her, we we came up with a hard you know even even like with hypnosis. I mean, we had many heated discussions of how hypnosis should be used. Um, and we'll get into that in a few minutes as well. Because I want I want to finish this thing up about the sightings, and then we'll move on. But Think about it, ladies and gentlemen, when you're out there, I know you get caught up in the excitement. I do myself. There have been times, come on, guys, I've been doing this for 30, almost 34 years, and there's been times I've got caught up in excitement, forgot to get my camera on my phone and take a picture of the damn thing while I'm watching it, okay? So I understand it, but try to think about it. It's important to document, 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 document. The more documentation, the better. And Bruce, yes, I don't know when it's going to air, but yes, I will be on the Ancient Aliens this year. As soon as I know, y'all will know. But anyway, we're going to get into the grays here in just a minute. What's this in the chat room? Video of my gray model turned around here. Oh, I don't I don't remember. The gray I thought looked pretty good, actually, Callie, if I remember the one I'm thinking about. 
um, the one that was on my Facebook page that was spinning, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, I, for some reason, I'm drawing a blank right now trying to see it, but I do remember seeing it. I'm actually, I think I commented on it, actually. You might want to go look, but I'll check it again and say for sure. But, you know, guys, um, these days it's it's important to, to really look at this stuff hardcore, and it's important to really look at the evidence. You, um, i got to say... There's a lot of irresponsible research in the field today. It's not even research. It's more like, let me look at someone else's work. Uh, the hips are too big. That's the only real thing I see is wrong. They're, they're a, a smoother flow, Callie. They're like a, 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 a more silhouetted, stretched kind of... Um, You've got him drawing like he's got hips. Remember, think cartilage. Don't think bones. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This is somebody working on a, a lot of different stuff he sends to us, and it's stuff, probably stuff we'll end up using in the future. That's why we want to make sure to get it as accurate as we can. But anyway, moving on from even that, let's talk about the grays. I know that's what we come here to talk about tonight, so let's talk about the grays. It's interesting, first off, the grays don't seem to show up in the Sumerian or the Dogon or any of the texts pre what I like to call the Christ era. Um, it seems like between 2,000 and 3,000 years ago, um, they popped up in the um, Egyptian temples and different temples. I think there's 21 or 28 pictures of what looks to be uh, insectoids or grays. Regardless, they seem to pop up around this time. The, the problem I have with this is, is I think our timeline is a much deeper, much longer timeline. I think some of these dynasties lasted longer, and I think it, it pushes way back into to time more than we like to think about. You know, we found those two cities off the coast of India, uh, what was it, about five, six years ago, and them tsunamis hit. Well, not even longer than that. And uh, they date back 10,500 years. So that's, that's, that's uh, well, I'm sorry, they date back 10,500 BC, so that's 12,500 years ago. Uh, here's two cities that are much older than what we thought the start of man was was 6,000 years. And, you know, it always bothered me that we use the 6,000-year mark for civilized man because that's what the Bible says. But we know as a race that we've been around longer, so it would make sense that there were pockets of advanced humans around the planet. And I'm not necessarily meaning advanced like we are today or even more advanced, and I just mean way more advanced for the time period that they were supposedly living in, like the Bronze Era or Stone Age or whatever it may have been. Uh, they seem to have been more advanced, and there does seem to be evidence to support that. What's important about this is, is it seems like the Sumerians and some of the other races talk about an early human-type race that came here and basically interbred or created a species, a species of human, not the species that's here today, but one real close to it. Uh, they talk about the seven creations of man and so on and so forth, but nowhere in any of this stuff, not even in the Egyptian stuff, or they, do they mention the graves. They talk about reptilians and human-type deities out there, Gazusa, but they don't really talk about graves. You don't see that until later on. I know a lot of researchers don't like to talk about this because it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it does, but it, it doesn't when you, when you take it out of context. So... They just seem to be milling around. So here you have these two races, and then there's lots of stories about the reptilian giving us the spark of life. Now, the Sumerians talk about it as them bringing in and, and, and taking their women and women born. Their children were different. Adam and Eve, it's the reptilian, you know, they, they take a bite of the tree of knowledge uh, from the serpent, which is basically replayed throughout history all around the planet. Uh, there's Mayans that basically have the same thing, Aztecs, told, well, not, I don't know about Toltecs, but I don't think nobody knows, actually. But I know the Mayans and the Aztecs, maybe the Incans. I know several stories out of Africa. I know several stories out of Europe and from other creations. I know you know, out of India and China. There seems to be a play here, a common theme with knowledge and the reptilians. And a lot of people always say the reptilians are evil, but then why would they give us knowledge? Maybe it's the humans were evil, and the reptilians were just trying to help us get out of a bad situation. Regardless what it is, there's a common theme in all these ancient cultures about the reptilians enlightening the, the human species. Um, the serpent, the snake, the reptile, whatever you want to call it, it seems to be a common theme. Kupla Kai uh, from the Mayans. Um, so, you know, the, the thing about this is, is this is really tied in tight 
with these two species early on, the humans, the human-type aliens and the reptilians. Boom, stage left, enters the grays. Sometime later. Now, the reason this is significant is we're going to backtrack for a minute. You know, y'all know we work on a blood type study. And the primary types, A, you know, A, B, and O, and A, B. Uh, so it's A, B, O, and A, B. So regardless, this is what you got. A, B is just, of course, is a mutation of the A and the B. O is an oddball when it jumped out. RH negative, no one even knows where it came from. So it looks like maybe the reptilians were B and the humans were A. Stage left, enters the grays, they're O. But not only are they O, but they're RH negative O. Because somewhere around the time we think that they interjected into our society, they interjected RH negative. For whatever reason they thought they needed to, they did because science can't explain where RH negative came from or even why. As humans, we understand that it's something we needed. It's the universal blood type. O negative can give O blood to anybody, just they can only take O negative. But they can give their blood to anybody else. Because people always tell me, well, ABs are the rarest, 1% and 2%. That's true. Ah, but it's not really true. Because they can take O negative blood. But O negative can't take AB negative, which means that they can actually take 8% of the blood in the world, uh, which puts them higher than the O negative. See, people don't think about that. But it's actually a true statement. So anyway, long, long story short, so you have the, these two with these two types of blood, and then you have the other one entering. Now, I'm sure science don't want to hear this. It'll, it'll make them crazy. But it does look like we've had three races intervening with our society for some time. And it does seem that their DNA has been intermingled with ours. Um, and the latest one, I would have to say, was the Greys. Now, there's a lot of theories on why the Greys came. Um, most of the ancient world where I read stuff, and even a lot of the modern research, suggests that the humans and reptilians are fixing to get into it. Uh, for a lack of a better way to say it, there was a fight of brewing. Um, here comes the Greys, did a galactic cops, basically, knock it off. Now, the humans and Greys, I mean, humans and reptilians were abducting people all over the place and, and doing all kinds of genetic experiments and putting people back. But then the Greys got involved and everything seemed to kind of follow in suit afterwards. Uh, the way the abduction seemed to happen the stories that started being told, everything started kind of following in suit from that point forward. Uh, they got organized. It wasn't all jumbled. I don't think the reptilians and, and humans were allowed to, to do all that much communicating all the time, but the abduction still went on. And now you have the greys who now, in today's time, abduct probably 60 to 70% of the people abducted. Now, there could be a lot of reasons why they're doing this, they could simply be checking on the mixes of DNA in the past with the human race interbred and the reptilian race interbred and then, of course, the gray race, and they're just watching the natural course of, of evolvement and development. may be true. There's lots of other reasons they could be doing it as well. Now, I'm going to tell you this. They're not doing it to enhance their cells. They consider humans to be beneath them, and that's a polite way of saying it. Uh, they don't want to be introducing their DNA to their personal DNA. They don't mind using their DNA to change us. They just don't want to change them. The greys are quite happy with who they are. The reptilians are quite happy with who they are, and so are the humans. Uh, this is not about, you know, genetically changing them. I know, we, you know, humans always want to be, it always wants to be about the human, and humans always want to be a hero. Well, it's a big, vast universe, and guess what? It doesn't always work that way. Um, so getting back to the greys, they, they seem to have introduced a lot of things to our society, um, including RH negative, probably O and RH negative, uh, depending on how you look at it and when you think the time frame was that they approached here. Um, but there is circumstantial evidence that suggests that all three of these, this is how we came to be. What I find interesting about this is all the cultures talk about several creations of man. The Sumerians say with the seven creations, I think the Egyptians talk about it. But anyway, regardless, all across our history and all across the ancient world, you have people talking about um, these different reptilians and these different humans and these different greys. And, you know, they describe them in lots and lots of different ways and uh, intervene. But, like I said, and then boom, comes the greys. The greys at first seem to be scary and moving in. And, like I said, they don't want to be mixing their DNA with us. They just want to be running their, their agendas and their watches and everything else. Um, 
And what's really funny about all this is, in the beginning, everyone used to tell me, oh, no, the greys work for the reptilians. Oh, no, the greys work for the humans. Oh, no, the greys work for the government. Oh, no, the greys do this. The greys don't work for anybody but maybe the light beings. Regardless of that, none of these other races are that advanced. Think about a race that grows their ships and can interface with them. Physically, they can meld their bodies to their ships. They psychologically link with their craft. They're basically becoming one with their... That advantages far over even even a, a, a mind interface today that we're talking about. It's, it's you know, a stickless aircraft. Uh, this is even... This is far more advanced than that. The ships seem to be able to produce their own food, both for the graze and fuel for itself. The ships seem to be alive. Uh, there's got to be big advantages to growing your ships. And a ship that can produce its own fuel and food for the, the people on board, that's got big advantages, especially when you're talking about crossing the cosmos on long distances. Uh, here is a, a race that seems to be oodles and light years ahead of even the reptilians or the greys, much less us. Uh, we're not even close to the greys or reptilians. I mean, the, the reptilians are the humans, so, and the greys are light years ahead of them. You know, it's funny, and when you talk to contactees about it, for the most part, most of the great technology seems to be organic, and um, it seems to be part of the craft. In other words, like when they're, the table rises up from the floor, it, it molds itself out, you lay on it, and then it molds itself around your body uh, and, create, and engulfs the whole body. It's one of the things we've talked about. It's actually a duction criteria. Um, it's a very interesting to watch when the, the 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 equipment they use actually there's nothing on the wall and then you see a hole open on the wall and then a, uh, you see a tube or what looks like a tube come out and as it approaches you the tools start to shape up on the end of the probe this is technology far beyond anything we can even think of and compared to the reptilians and the humans who use a more physical technology it's much more advanced even though the reptilians and humans seem to have very advanced technology, much so than we, and they don't use like traditional hypos and st I mean uh, needles and stuff like that. They use a little more advanced stuff. They're still not as advanced as these other guys are. And what's funny, really funny about this, we found this out doing some military abduction research. Oh God, a ways back with Melinda Leslie, we ran across some anomalies where there was um, all three races of alien and government all present at the same time, or people. I don't know if it's government. We'll just say some kind of entity, some kind of agency. How's that? And uh, we're all present at the same time. All the witnesses said the same thing. When the greys walked into the room, the little three- and four-foot greys, the reptilians and the humans put the, bowed their head down, and the human-humans backed up, got closer to the wall. So obviously there's fear there as well. Don't know why... I guess little boogers are strong as hell and, and powerful, uh, have powerful minds. I do know a three-foot gray can drag a guy of about my size, 250 pounds, down a hallway like I'm a potato sack. No real effort whatsoever. Uh, so they're quite a bit stronger than they look. And since they don't just come in three foot, they also come in six and maybe eight and a half, eight, somewhere around there. Um, it's different. And they're not even gray. They come in other colors. And the damn bad part is they're not really a gray color. When that blue plasma, plasma starts to drain out their body, they get like a translucent color. And I guess off at a distance can look, look like a gray, but when you're right on, a lot of times it looks like it's white. And there is what we would like to call a white version of the gray, just like there's a brown version of it. Um, it's all the same damn species, and uh, they're all related. And they, all, they all seem to work, though. It's, it's weird with them because when you listen to people talk about the hierarchy, it seems to be maybe a beehive, but based on height and color. So in other words, your height puts you in certain positions. Because anytime you hear about certain things being done, it's always the three or four foot ones. Um, you seem to be a lot of bureaucratic bullshit in the five and six foot ones. And the ones that are taller than that seem to be, you know, way up honchos up the ladder. The colors also matter for some reason. Maybe it has something to do with a caste system. Um, maybe each color represents a certain caste. I don't know. That's speculation. There's lots of speculation on what it could mean but they are supposed to be the same race. And uh, they do have a queen, from what we understand, and a religion. Uh, that's something we've been finding out just recently. Um, and with the keepers, you get more information because they can kind of talk with the greys. 
Um, when they're on board the ship, the grades are much more relaxed around these keepers, especially the keepers that have been around with them 10 or 20 years. They seem to be much more relaxed with what they'll let them remember, what kind of information they can have, and things along those lines. And, and keepers also develop abilities to keep a lot more and retain a lot more of the information, not just they learn from the grades, but sometimes when, from the computer interfaces and stuff, information that they have access. For you, for humans, being on board any of the grade ships, for that matter, any of the ships, is like human Wi-Fi. Uh, you can directly interface with all their equipment by thought. Not, not the, the humans and the reptilian ships, you can't run that way, as far as I know you can, but uh, you can access their data and databases and materials and holograms and holograph rooms and stuff like that. All of that can be accessed. And I'm sure there's levels that they'll let you go to. Um, but still, it's, it's, like, it's like human Wi-Fi. Um, we learn things like this as you know, just from talking to the keepers and stuff like that, uh, and it's just interesting information, which makes sense because right now we use Wi-Fi for our phones and everything else, and eventually somebody will pull a chip in our head and we will have human Wi-Fi. Given, I don't even think that's far that far away to be honest with you. You probably see that in the next five to ten years. Um, I don't want a chip in my head. It's bad enough they can track me through my cell phone. What the hell do I need a chip for? But getting getting back to the Greys, um, they seem to have a much more a much better handle on everything that goes on. Uh, they seem to really watch what the reptilians and humans are up to. They are thorough with their experiments. They don't seem to make as many mistakes as the other ones as far as dealing with us. And they have a distaste for our government. Uh, most every person I've ever talked to that's either ex-government or work government, deep throats and other witnesses we've met over the years, have all come to the same conclusion. The Greys, actually none of the races seem to like the government. The human alien race seems to uh, be the most functional with us, but the other two races seem not to really have anything to do with us. They would rather not even deal with our species if they didn't have to, as far as our government goes. Uh, as far as we go, well, let's look at it from this point of view. We're all still alive, so they didn't come to wipe us out. And obviously we're still ignorant, so they didn't come to enlighten us. You know, anytime somebody tells you they're here to enlighten us, they've been here a long time. Probably a couple hundred thousand years, but for the sake of argument, we'll say twenty to 50,000 years. But probably a couple hundred thousand years. But regardless, even if they were here 5,000 years, they had the chance to enlighten the species. Take a look around. We're not an enlightened species. But take a look around, we're still here. So that tells you two things. You always judge them by their actions. Well, we're still here and we're not enlightened, so they're not here to kill us and they're not here to save us. They also take us without our permission and anytime they feel like it and do whatever they feel like to us. So it also suggests that they have very little respect for us as individuals. That, though, seems to change with time. Um, they do seem to form relationships, not like relationships here, but still. Except for the reptilians, they seem to form like what we would consider an everyday human-type relationship. But uh, the greys uh, definitely will just say they're standoffish. But they do take pride in their individual contactees and keepers and stuff that work with them and, and are involved with them and doing things along those lines. So it's it's interesting to see these things. And, and stuff like this never gets talked about in abduction research. People only want to hear about, oh, my God, some big thing with big eyes took me down a thing and clamped me down the stuff and stuck me with this and cut me with that and healed me with this and beamed me back in and walked me through the walls and the doors. That's all fine. That doesn't tell me squat. It tells me nothing about the grace or any alien for that matter. Other than they got advanced technology, that does me little to no good. I'm interested in the details. I want to know about them. Learning about them helps me understand what they may be doing here. Um, it's really important because they're not trying to save themselves. Uh, maybe there was a, this was an accidental blending of all three of these species. Maybe these three species were never supposed to blend, and now they got to watch to make sure we don't become the most aggressive species in the universe or something. Because, you know, reptilians and, and humans seem quite aggressive sometimes. And could you imagine someone like us with their technology? We're like ten times as aggressive as they are. Lord, first thing we do is wipe out half the planet, and then we'd start wiping out rampaging across the cosmos. Uh, I think they want to make sure that we're all grown up. And I think there's other things they're looking for. Um, there's a lot of breeding experiments, but not to alter them. They're altering us 
it's almost like they're creating a secondary uh, race. In other words, it's like they take Jane Doe and they take some samples and they grow a new Jane Doe. But there's no actual consciousness in the new Jane Doe. What they're going to do is take the other Jane Doe, the original Jane Doe, and down at the moment of death, upload the consciousness and then download it to the new body. But that body is not really designed to live on Earth. From what people talk about, it sounds like a body that might be more suited for a 2G, maybe a 3G environment, uh, a much stockier, much heavier type body. Uh, they've also talked about some that might be on um, lighter planes like Mars, where they're, they're, you know, what's interesting about the Greys, especially, is they could have evolved on Mars, especially the tall ones. The way they're they're designed, they don't, their bodies aren't really suited for a gravity environment two or three G. But something like Mars, they would they would fit quite comfortably, eight foot tall, just reach up and pull themselves up, wouldn't even need stairs. Even a little three foot Greys could just leap. Uh, and they're all cartilage and no bone, as, as far as we know. Uh, so all of this would make for a different type of, you know, much different environment than ours, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, they definitely evolve in a much different environment than us. A lot of people think that the human-type aliens um, probably are some type of heavy world. There's 2 or 3G because their bodies seem to be stockier and their heads seem to be bigger. Uh, but that might just be evolution as well, too. There's no real way of knowing. Uh, the reptilians, there's still a big argument that the reptilians are from here. Uh, or at least we're here for colonizing you know, before man. Um, most of the kids are not hybrids like people think they are. Uh, they're hybrids in the fact that, you know, this gray uh, had been abducted through the eight or ten generations and then they married to this reptilian contactee and then they had kids. Those are the real hybrid kids. Those are the ones they're, they're most interested about. The The only hybrids they make on board the ships is for people they know that are going to lose their lives soon, uh, and then they put them in those bodies for some reason. I guess they can't put a child's mind in an adult body, so they create uh, small bodies. And I don't know how they know uh, if someone's going to die. Maybe it's a random thing. Maybe they just keep them. I don't know. Uh, and then there are other suggestions that they're creating... Uh, um, that they're creating a colony, an on-world, this on-world, outward colonies, uh, where they're taking these bodies and uploading these consciousness now, and bringing them there. And it didn't make sense, but you know there are a lot of families that do go missing, uh, and there are a lot of children that do get killed. Um, so there is, so you know, then they, they might just be deciding to take these people. They, they might need them now and not later. I, I don't really know, but a lot of people go missing. Uh, so you got to kind of wonder about that. Just got to kind of stop and wonder about that. Just it, for an instance today, I hadn't even read the whole article, but just before I came on to do the show, I've seen an article, two husbands watched uh, their wives and children burned to death in the van. If they were contactees, they were uploaded at that time, so it would have been four children and two moms uploaded into the new host bodies, if they were contactees. Uh, regardless, that's a hell of a tragedy. I couldn't even imagine watching... Uh, my child or, or your spouse, it's just it's not even something it's, it's even imaginable or anything anybody should ever have to experience. Well, they do a lot of stuff in, in the teen years. See, this is basically what they do. We'll do a quick one down on the grays. So pre-birth, the grays take your mom. So they look at you. They probably even take the embryo out and everything and the egg and they screw around and do whatever. And they put it back. And they probably come in two or three times in the pregnancy, they'll take the mother. Then at birth, they take the mom and the baby, and they bring it on board. And then they bring them both on board for quite some time. And then, depending where you are in their program, is when a lot of the adjustments will start. Um, a lot of these psychological experiments start, you know, it, through puberty. And this is when most of the really bad stuff starts around puberty and lasts up until 26, 27, 28, depending on. Uh, that's when a lot of the harsh experiments go on. It's when a lot of the breeding experiments go on. It's a lot of the sperm and eggs that are being taken at those times, a lot of babies being gestated. Obviously, ET's figured out a different way to do it because we don't see the, the missing baby syndrome anymore. For a while there, we were getting tons of reports. There was over 5,000 of these reports of women who said they were pregnant and then they weren't. 
And when I mean they weren't, it wasn't like they miscarried anything. You know, some of these women had ultrasounds and blood tests and then just turned out to not be pregnant. Um, and the doctors was confused because, you know, they seen the baby or heard the baby and there was no damage to anything. It was like even the hormone balances were back. Uh, so when they took the baby, it was like a reset for the woman. It's like they reset what was going on. It was a very strange, strange phenomenon. And it went on for a long time, and then it seemed to quit. It's like we caught on to it, and E.T. said, you know what, they know what's going on. Let's let's do this a different way. Or maybe they collected enough eggs and sperm that they don't need to do it anymore. Maybe they found a way to do it in the tubes now. So uh, it's hard to say what exactly they're doing with all of that, but for the most part it seems like they're building host bodies or husk bodies, whatever you want to call them, uh, and that are, well, from what everybody says there, from the people who report using them, they're they're stronger, better, even got more brain capacity, uh, and you're allowed to use your kinetic and psychic abilities uh, much easier. It's like it's it's designed in to the brain itself, along with some other abilities, from what I understand. So, all of that's interesting, but you don't really get it when you're here on Earth. It's whenever you get taken off Earth. I wish they'd give me a body here on Earth that was for a three G environment. I'd be Superman, man. I'd be throwing tanks at people and stuff. What you said, Putin say something, you just hop over there. Excuse me, what you said again, Putin? Because your skin would be so dense, nothing here could penetrate it. Um, you'd be like, really now? Hold on there, Mr. Putin, as I beat you over the head with this tank. I'm, just an example, guys. I'm, I'm just teasing. UFOs flying over, you just jump up and catch it like the Hulk and pull it down. I'm just, you know. But it's, it's funny to think about it, but there's a lot of this stuff going on. The Grays also, you know, as far as we know, up the only family line, and have been abducted in family lines since they got here. Now, the real question is, is how many of these family lines were taken from the reptilians and humans and then interfered with by the greys? I've always been curious about that. And there's no real way of knowing because it was too long ago in our past to figure it out. But if you step through this, you find the humans, reptilians, skip a couple thousand years, greys, new blood types, a lot of coincidental stuff at the same time, new mutations in eye colors, things like this, uh, Spontaneous mutation of blood types for no reason. Just Rh negative bam. Oh, really? Okay, well, okay. Wow, Mother Nature, what do we need? Just we were we were positive for how many millions of years? Two million years, and then bam, about twenty-five thousand years ago, O negative just pops up. Just coincidental that there's three types of blood and three types of aliens. That's all I'm saying. I know it's coincidental, guys. Uh, it seems like it had something to at least do with them, or, or somewhere along those lines. Uh, it's interesting to watch, you know, human evolution because it definitely doesn't fit Darwin theory. A few other things in a planet don't actually fit the Darwin theory, either, but for the most part, it's a sound theory. Uh, humans just seem to be... You know, I was talking about this the other night. There's only really three prominent theories for how humans got here. God, E.T., or panspermia. One of the three. Take your choice. God put us here. E.T. put us here, or the building blocks of life were brought here uh, by comets and asteroids deposited on our planet. Your choice. It doesn't matter. It, you know, Regardless, life is here. Life is all over the place. That's why I say this every week. Uh, life in the universe is probably dense in full. Uh, there is probably millions upon millions upon millions of races out there. And I'm sure they come and go on a daily basis. Uh, only ones we're interested in is ones that we can meet and be friends with. And hopefully, um, in the future, the greys, reptilians, and humans will show us how to do that. At least we hope. But anyway, going back to the greys for a few minutes, because we're going to be wrapping up here in about six minutes. Uh, when it comes to the greys, their cells, they, they really seem to be here as kind of a police force. They, they really seem to you know, dole out what's going on with the other two races, or for that matter, the other few races, and uh, some of the other things that go on. And they seem to be a direct interface between, or a direct block between the government and contactees, because the Greys do not like their contactees screwed with. Um, I cannot tell you how many stories I've heard where uh, a contactee was mill-labbed, because, mainly because they went public, and, um, and the Grey actually retrieved them. And from what I heard, was very nasty to the people who took them in the first place. I'm <laughs> just saying. Uh, it's a scary scenario and a whole damn thing. Here you got some kind of weird men in black running around snatching people and, and doing things to them, 
and then some weird grace snatching them back from them and doing things to them. That's it's 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 even it's even almost too dark to think about sometimes. And so I'm not sure how it's going to work out. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I know there was a lot of trial and error in the early days about the husk bodies, uh, and that's why they would let some try to live here and try to pass, because those were just flukes in what they were doing. Uh, but they were designing, they're definitely designing a new body for humans. Uh, from what I understand, it might be two or three new bodies for humans. It sounds like they're more about living off-world. You know, it's interesting because we've talked about this before. So you can d design a body. We can't, but in a thousand years, we'd probably be able to design a body with virtually no flaws, unlimited brain capacity, lots of strength, uh, much longer longevity where you live tens of thousands of years. These are bodies that can be designed, and we're already working in this decade right now. We've been actually working on this for a decade on being able to upload the essence of you into a host body. Because whether you want to believe it or not, I'm sure there's cloned bodies out there. I'm sure people have already been cloned. We know it's possible. Other animals have been cloned. I have no doubt human somewhere has been cloned. Uh, I don't even doubt it a little bit. And so the next step is to clone a human, uh, make it to where he has no consciousness uh, from early on, and then upload the new consciousness into it. Um, or figure out a way to grow it just like that to where it's just grown like that and you upload the consciousness right into it. Uh, you know, but getting to that kind of stuff gets scary because there's all kind of ways that can go bad from having body parts, all kind of other things. But if you can design a body and you can live tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years and you can grow clones quickly, uh, or not even clones, replicas. The clones, are all, you're always going to have the cloning probably, but creating new bodies is a whole different thing. And if you can do that and then upload yourself to it, shit, you can live for as long as you want. And we know the grays seem to be endless in age. Uh, they much seem to be much older than the other two races, and they seem to live, well, I wouldn't say they were immortal, but I would say they're damn as close to you as you can get without actually being it. Um, because I do hear that from time to time they have to change bodies and things like that. You know, it's funny. A lot of Stargate and the um, Asgard were wrapped around a lot of the gray lore uh, because it came before Stargate did. Uh, but I noticed that a lot of the stuff with dealing with the Asgard uh, had direct reflections towards the grays, including what they looked like, which I always thought was kind of cool. If they would have made them a little bluer. They would have been pretty damn close, actually. Not perfect, but damn close. But anyway, we're going to get out of here in a minute, guys. Um, got a couple of good guests coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, i got one more show next week. i, I got some science I need to catch up on. And I want to talk a little bit about the reptilians. Um, and we're going to get into that. I really wanted to get into the second hour grades, but i got something else I need to take care of. Uh, but I want to thank everyone for tuning in to UFO Undercover. I hope you enjoyed the show. Till next week, have some fun, enjoy your life, and remember, come catch Stephanie and I tomorrow on Thursdays on Flipside Light. Until then, have some fun, and good night, everybody. Come check out Christina George's new show, Paranormal Connections, only on United Public Radio, Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. See you Monday. Do you love sports? Okay, maybe just at least pay attention to sports. Then check out the Big Shoulder Sports Show, Tuesday night, 7...